Glad to be with you this morning, and it's a privilege for us to gather. And before we begin, I want to say a quick thank you and allow everyone to thank him as well, Mr. Jeff Brown and his team, Susie as well, for, um, for a, busy, a busy weekend of work here at the building. Um, it's just incredible to see people come together, people t- work hard, um, and uh, people, to get, uh, people getting dirty uh, for the sake of, of our church, giving up their Saturdays, and even having to record football games in order to be here and watch them later. I can't believe people did that. Um, and uh, no, it's incredible, and, and just really thank you. They were here for really two days straight. Um, and just had just kind of orchestrating all of it like a symphony. So thanks for everyone who came out as well to serve. And uh, we'll be doing those uh, every once in a while as we get uh, this building in shape. Uh, but I was really um, just praying last night and just thinking of how thankful I am for this church and for the people within this church and for all the great work that the Lord is doing here. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And uh, I think it's the best place in, in the world. And so as we gather this morning, um, if you've been with us here at the Field Church for any length of time, uh, you know that um, we teach verse by verse through books of the Bible, and you can go back to previous messages where I've taught about that, and, uh, but we believe it's the prescription from Scripture for, for preaching, and that the very Scriptures are even organized that way and presented that way. Uh, that we would teach expositionally through whole books of the Bible. And um, obviously that's the norm. And uh, we know that that avoids certain pitfalls and it necessarily achieves certain goals uh, for the church and for God's glory. Um, And so we, we believe that that's to be the meat and potatoes of teaching within the church. Um, but intermixed with that normal pattern, um, the pastor may teach on some specific topics or issues or doctrines from Scripture in order to help the church grow in specific ways. And so this morning, I want to take a break from Luke's gospel just for a week and, um, and teach on um, what I'm calling connection in the church, connection in the church. And so that'll be the topic of, of today. And then we'll pick back up in Luke's gospel next week where we are approaching the crucifixion. You guys know that. We really have uh, one more week uh, of, of uh, trials and then Jesus is on his way to the cross. And so we'll be on a steady and very captivating journey, uh, one-way journey through the last leg of Luke's gospel account. And so today I want to talk about the fact um, that the Lord is is uh, desires and that um, we are to be and what it should look like regarding connection in the church. Now, I want to start um, with uh, saying to you that in Christ, um, we all are connected. And so we are connected and we must start there. We are connected in Christ positionally and we have to start there. Let's turn to Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses 26 through 27. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 27. It says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, turn with me to Ephesians, just one book over to your right, chapter 2, and I'll read verses 11 through, through 21. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at, this, at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you, have, uh, you, want, who were once, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you also were being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now one more here. 1 Corinthians, turn there, chapter 12. I just want to read verse 13. We'll read more of it later. But 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 13. Your fingers are going to be exercised today. It says in chapter 12, verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all what? Baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The word for baptism in the Greek literally means to put into, to place into. And so here the, the term baptism is not being used in terms of water baptism. It's literally being used in its meaning, means to be placed into. So you have to understand that the moment that you came to saving faith in Christ, you were placed into God's church. You were put into God's church. And so and so positionally, we stand before God, and positionally, we are connected in Christ. And the church, the members of Christ's body, those who have been born again, saved, who have been regenerated by the Spirit of God, who have responded to the gospel of Christ's life and his death and his resurrection, have repented of your sins and trusted in the person and work of Christ, been saved, you have... Uh, been placed into the body of Christ, and therefore in Christ, positionally, we are all connected. And so uh, now, though, with that positional connectedness, we want to talk about today specifically the practical connectedness. So we are positionally connected, but there's an element to where what does this practically look like? What is the practical connection in the body of Christ? And I want to start by telling you that it's a very indispensable aspect of the church. Connection within the body is an indispensable aspect of the church. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says that you should not abandon or leave behind or neglect or ignore, or make less important, or overlook, or fail to see the importance of the act of being gathered together. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't neglect this. It's vitally important to be practically connected. And Hebrews 10 points to the regular gathering or assembling of the church in one place. That's one aspect of the church being gathered together. We see that as soon as the Lord rose from the dead, the believers in the church began to meet on Sunday, the Lord's day, the day Christ rose. And they did that regularly. And that was their, their time of worship and the time of taking of the Lord's table. And that connected the church practically. So it's vital. It's vitally important. And, uh, and the reason why Hebrews 10 says that it's vitally important for the church to gather regularly is because it's vital for two things. It says in that particular passage, encouragement and perseverance. Don't forsake the gathering together, right? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing what? Near. So it's, it's vital that the church gathers, and it's vital for two important reasons, encouragement and perseverance, that the believer might persevere and the believers might encourage each other. So this is vital, that the church is connected. Now, secondly, also I want to point to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, the church 
uh, the spiritually mature in the church, they are to literally, in in the Greek means, to put back together the one who is overtaken by surprise, by the surprise of sin. And so Galatians 6.1 points to another vital reason. And these are just, uh, uh, there's no points here, okay? I'm going to get to some points. So you're like wondering, hey, which point are we on here? No points yet. I'm just giving you some, um, some background into some of the, the, the reasons the scripture gives for the vitality of, this, of the body of Christ being practically connected. It says, here's another reason, like I said, that the the spiritually mature in the church are, again, to literally engage in putting back together, putting back together those who in the church are surprisingly overtaken by sin. Not one who is in a pattern and unrepentant, but one who is just in a moment of weakness, surprised by sin, is overtaken by it. The spiritually mature are to put them back together. Uh, these are people who are repentant, who have godly sorrow, and the mature members of the body are to help put these members back together. You go one verse later in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, and it says that members are to literally suffer what is grievous or hard to bear for others. Literally, you are to suffer along with others. So when someone is suffering in the body of Christ and they are, it is so hard for them to bear this suffering, you are literally called to suffer with them. You are called to suffer what they are suffering like Christ suffered in our place. He bore our iniquities, our sins, our sufferings. And so um, we all know about, um, uh, about what this looks like. Some of you are really good at this to where you sit with people and you suffer what they suffer um, for the sake of their good. Now, moving on from here, we all know about the abundance of the uh, of one another's in Scripture, right? I mean, we know there are uh, a ton of one another statements in the Scripture. And in the New Testament, those, the, those uh, references to the one another's in Scripture occur roughly 100 times. And half of those references to the one another's, they're in command form. And so they're not like speaking of good options. They're saying you must do this with one another in the body of Christ. Those are in command form to the church. And so we might miss the significance, um, but this is, this is incredibly important. You might, you might hear the one another's of scripture as like kind of a Christian uh, buzzword, um, but these are commands in how the church is supposed to relate to one another. Ephesians 4 says that the church is supposed to build itself up in love, literally mean to strengthen each other in love with the truth that they've been equipped with. And so basically, you're to be equipped by the word of God from the pastors and teachers. Your faith is to strengthen and grow, and then you are to strengthen the body in love And that's the call of the church, Ephesians chapter 4. That's the progression. And so what this looks like is not always to wait and to expect others to minister to you or expect leaders to meet the needs in the church. That's necessary. That's why the elders exist, um, to meet those needs. But, But before just waiting on the elders or looking to the elders or the leaders of the church to do this, the church is called to care for, to strengthen, to serve, to build up itself, to build up one another. Colossians 3 is another great example. 16, it says the word is to be spiritually prospering in each one of your hearts, spiritually prospering within each member. And then as it does, each member should be wisely teaching each other. So the scripture points to the fact that really all of us are supposed to be teachers in one sense. You are all supposed to be capable teachers of each other. 
And as it's building this, the, the believer up and they're wisely teaching one another, they're also to be, it says, warning one another. Hey, don't go over here. Hey, don't do this. Hey, don't believe that doctrine over there. Hey, hey, stay away from this. Hey, you really need to change in this. Hey, I saw this about your life. They're to be warning each other. And then it says they're even to be, you ready for this? Singing to one another. Now, some of you uh, should not do that. No, I'm just kidding. You will drive people out of the church. Um, and so we see this connection in the church as an indispensable aspect of the body of Christ. The Bible is clear that it is vital for growth. It is vital for believers who are underdeveloped in areas of their life. It is vital for accountability. It's a vital for joy. It's vital for stress, free living. The, to be honest with you, the Bible points to the fact that your anxiety often comes from the fact that you're isolated. It comes from stress-free living. And, and by the way, underdeveloped areas of your life, can I tell you, if every time you're exposed, you run from that exposure, you will have major areas of your life underdeveloped. That's why marriage works so well, because you can't leave. And so those underdeveloped areas of your life will be forced to grow. And that's how the, the church is to work. Oftentimes within the church, as soon as someone is exposed or as soon as someone, you put on a face for a while and as soon as people start to see the real you, you want to leave and go someplace else because you feel ashamed of your weaknesses. Listen, that's the point. And that's the only way you grow. If you leave every time you, uh, your weaknesses are exposed, you will remain seriously undeveloped in certain areas of your life. You will go to the grave with certain areas of your life never spiritually developed. And so this is important for, for joy. It's important for provision. The issue is, is that most of you have certain needs in your life, physical needs. Well, those who prosper within the church body, those who are abundantly prospering monetarily, those should be the ones who are making up for where others lack in their provisions. It's, this is necessary for spiritual protection. Uh, this is near, uh, necessary for showing us our errors, for encouragement. It's necessary for effective ministry. If you are to share your faith, evangelize the lost, reach your neighbor, you need to have connection to the body of Christ to be encouraged, to be uh, spurred on towards godliness. This is necessary for you to be a good parent, for you to be a good spouse, and so much more, so much more. Uh, I, I hear people all the time within the body of Christ who are discouraged, who feel like they're not growing, who might feel like, uh, you know, they're lonely. And I see all the opportunities that the church provides for you to be a part of. Service opportunities like yesterday. Um, uh, times to just hang out. Uh, Wednesday night prayer gatherings at Dakota Leeds. Uh, Sunday evening services. Uh, meals and potlucks. All these opportunities. And those very people who say, I just feel so lonely. I'm not growing. I'm so discouraged. Um, you know, I don't feel connected. And I say, well, you're choosing not to participate in all the ways in which the church provides for you to be encouraged <laughs> and to be connected. Um, and so it's really an indictment on, uh, on yourself. Oftentimes, now sometimes it's not. Sometimes we are connected and we, and we feel that way. In fact, our church has been accused a number of times, and perhaps rightly, of lacking community or there being a disconnectedness in a number of ways. And this is not just one time. This is over the years. And I think that that might be for a number of reasons. Uh, I was thinking about it this week. I'm thankful to have strong and capable leadership in our church uh, that meet the qualifications for true eldership. And we take seriously the biblical pattern for that role of eldership. But I think that that can often lead to you going to your leaders rather than to each other. And I think that that can often lead to waiting for the leaders to facilitate community or expecting them to facilitate it or waiting to receive community, community rather than pursuing it. And, um, and that's like waiting for your spouse to change without you changing. <laughs> it doesn't work out too well when we do that, huh? I think also our elders too often fail to communicate to our congregation and try to meet the needs themselves. 
uh, um, I, I think that this oftentimes um, is just kind of like, uh, uh, let's just suck it up and do what needs to be done rather than expressing um, our weaknesses and needs to the congregation. I think another thing is often to, to, that, that um, I'm often to blame. In fact, I think I probably am the most to blame because the Lord has commissioned me to preach his word here, and that's my responsibility. And so I'm not always as relationally minded when it comes to planning for our church in this way. Um, I need some folks to make up for where I lack and to facilitate opportunities for the church to gather together and to um, just be friends and perhaps not do anything except hang out to each other. That concept is hard for me to understand. I think also we have um, really young believers in our church, um, many who are still, it's another reason, who are pretty immature in their faith. Um, and to be honest with you, it, it, even if they've been technically Christians for a while, um, maybe they've been mistaught or maybe there's some immaturity there. And, and the, the thing about immature Christians is immature Christians are often still enamored by the world. And so they want to sync their lives up with the values of the world. And so they're often very individualistic. Now, now this just takes time and maturity for people to grow in this way. But it's, it's oftentimes where people believe, immature, uh, immature believers, that life is about me and my family and, and about meeting my desires. And uh, my life, my time, my resources are about us. I earned them, they're ours, and uh, we're going to spend all of our time focusing on ourselves. And it's ours. We got them. We spend them on us. And so there's a disconnectedness from the church, but it's, 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 it's from immaturity. And really, the, the, the goal needs to be that these people need to grow and not be so individualistic on so many different levels. In, in our society today, the individual is always right. The corporation or the majority is always wrong. And that, that pulls into the church where whatever the individual feels is right and whatever the corporate body feels is, is wrong. And that's just not true. Um, that's just not true. Just because you feel something doesn't mean it's right. And so, and so God has called you not to live an individualistic life, but to live connected to the body. And oftentimes, immature believers, they kind of fail to see reality. It's kind of like a child, and, and you know, and, and just where they're at in their maturity level, they just don't see reality. And so immature believers, um, they just don't see reality. And, and others see it, and they say, hey, I've got to help them, but kind of being patient and trying to figure out how to help each other. So I think another thing can be the hardness of our hearts. We just lack love for others. <laughs> we lack care. Um, we're proud. We're self-centered. We're embittered. And then also, th I think that uh, the last kind of idea here is, is I think that um, our, our church has a lot of young families with a lot of young kids. And um, everyone's, everyone's what? Busy. Okay, right? If I hear that one more time. No, I, I say it all the, all the time, but, but be careful by claiming this one, okay? Be careful by, about claiming this one because small kids or not, we always make time for what we value, right? Um, you might say, I don't have any time to go to uh, you know, a work day or, or whatever, but uh, you, you certainly had time for everything else you valued, right? And I'm just using that as an example because it, it's fresh in my mind, but that's just, those are examples. So if we know that connection in the church is vital, and we know that there are some things that can hinder it, those things I just mentioned, what should this look like? What should this look like? And uh, really, I just want to launch out from uh, 1 Corinthians um, uh, chapter, um, chapter 12, and... Um, and I just want to launch out from here, and I'm going to give us, and I'm going to give us some, some points, but I, I want us to just launch out from here, just so that we're kind of rooted in the text of Scripture. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Let's jump to verse 21. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable, and in those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, with which our more presentable parts do not require. 
But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so this is, this is the picture here. And so I think today, if, if I were to just give four pictures of what the New Testament gives in terms of what connection in the body looks like, and I want to describe what it will take, and, um, and finally, just some ideas for it. So again, what does the New Testament describe? And this is going to be very practical. What does the New Testament describe as connection in the church? Um, what is it going to take? Uh, I won't give any points for that, but just some casual mentions. And then finally, some ideas. But um, like I said, those two last elements, I won't take uh, a lot of time with, mostly just the pictures that the New Testament gives. But, uh, but I will give some, um, what, uh, some ideas of what I think it will take, and then finally some ideas. So four pictures of connection in the church. Four pictures of connection in the church. Number one, you'll see counseling. And this is what the New Testament describes. So I'm not just making this up. Number one, counseling. Number two, connection. And you might say, well, you're talking about connection in the church. And then you said connection. Well, I'm going to be more specific here. I'm using it broadly when I say connection, but I'm going to be more specific um, in what I mean by um, this actual act of, of connecting. Number three, correction. And number four, capable need meeting. Now, I'm not just making these up, okay? When you go to the scriptures and say, what does the scripture say about literal connection, practical connection between members within the body of Christ? These are, these are really the four ways in which you can categorize what the New Testament says. Counseling, connection, correction, and capable need meeting. That's exactly what the New Testament says. And so let's start with the first one and talk about counseling. Number one, the New Testament describes counseling when it describes connection within the church. And and in another way to put this, it means that the members are to minister to one another. The members are to minister to one another. When you talk about connection within the church, oftentimes what we think of is just friendship hangouts. And that's great, and that should be included. But when the New Testament describes connection within the church, the first idea that it has in mind is ministering to one another ministering to one another. And so if we want our expectations of biblical connection to be within the church, this must be our expectation of connection within the church, ministering to one another. Simply put, we must, the connection in the church, as the New Testament describes, is members within the church who are ministering to one another. It says that, uh, as I read to you in, in Colossians, that we're all teachers in one sense right? Matthew 28, in describing the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples. That's really the aspect of evangelism. But then you see teaching one another all that, what? Christ commanded. And so after, after one becomes a believer, there's an element of teaching. There's an element of teaching. So this is involved in counseling too, teaching one another from the word of God, encouraging one another, helping one another, helping each other to change helping each other to become more faithful in the Lord, serving one another, helping each other see sin issues, which I'll describe more in a little bit later on, not letting each other suffer alone, um, you know, not saying, well, I, I really just hate that you're going through that. Man, that's really terrible. You know, that, that really stinks that you and your family are in such, you know, pits that, uh, man, that, that just must be so hard um, to bear. See you later right? That's not what the New Testament describes. And so if you really want connection within the church, well, you have to see what the New Testament describes, and that involves counseling. It involves ministering to one another. It involves helping each other change. Uh, and I just use that term counseling because it encompasses really all of it. Helping each other see your issues, hard issues, to change and to repent of sin and to believe what the scriptures say and to follow it. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, I read it already, but it says, if one member suffers, then we all suffer what? Together. The picture the New Testament gives is one of the members of the church ministering to one another. And that's just the norm. That's just normal. That's just normal. So as I mentioned earlier, the temptation is to go to the top 
And to say, well, here's all these equipped men who meet the qualifications for elders and I need to be ministered to, so I'm going to go to them. Hey, listen, that's great. That's what they're there for, to shepherd, to oversee, to be an example of, uh, for, and to teach. But before that, the body of Christ will not function rightly if the members are not first and primarily ministering to one another. That is to be how it functions. The church is supposed to make itself go. It's, it's supposed to support itself. It's supposed to uh, give life to itself. And uh, so this must be happening among the members. And so they must be there to help with each other. And, uh, this, is mu- and this must be um, active. And so um, we're all actually to be ministers. Um, and now, this requires a lot of things. This requires, and this is why I believe it doesn't happen, this requires selflessness with your time. Right? You might say, oh, that's great. That's right. You know, we need to be ministered, uh, ministering to one another. Okay, but when it actually comes to what this requires, it's maybe not so easy to <laughs> take in. Here's what it will cre- require for you. It will require selflessness of your time. It's going to require vulnerability and humility. It's going to require accountability. And it'll be required that you are equipped yourself. Because you say, I, I don't know how to minister to anybody because my understanding of the word of God is pretty low. But as Ephesians 4 says, and I described to you, the pastor's equipped, the body's equipped, then it's equipping each other, it's strengthening the body, the body's ministering to one another, and this is how it is supposed to function. So this is love, this is service, this is tolerance. The Bible describes actually this way. You are literally to, in the Greek, put up with one another. <laughs> Tolerate one another. Put up with each other. You say, well, they got an issue, and that issue is is pretty annoying. Well, put up with them, right? You're to give preference to one another, honor one another, forgive one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another, teach one another, pray for one another, uh, show hospitality towards one another, contribute to the needs of each other, stimulate each other to good deeds, to show affection, to care. If someone is rejoicing about God's work in their lives, you're called to rejoice with them. You're called to be tender-hearted, sympathetic, sacrificial. Um, James chapter five. Let's turn there for just a second. James chapter five. James chapter five, verse seventeen. James chapter five, verse seventeen. I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 19. I've done this about three times today. I can't read my own writing. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wanderings will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And this is among the body of Christ. Oftentimes, some of these passages are misunderstood out of their place and out of their context like the way in which we're to treat the poor. Mostly all of those passages are within the context of members within the body of Christ. That's your primary responsibility. Those who you care for first are in the body of Christ. This is also within the body of Christ. And so this is a picture of someone wandering away from the body in their sin and others in the body pulling them out of their their sin. And within this picture, you are literally saving your brother or sister from death. And so all of this is under the umbrella of what I'm simply referring to as counseling among members. And it's, it's help giving counsel, providing assistance, providing guidance, providing biblical answers to. And uh, this is ministering to one another. Might be visiting the sick. Now, there could be a lot said from the scriptures about this. Of course, you all know that there are many needs that people have, and we need to point each other to the scriptures. But when the New Testament, listen now, when the New Testament describes connection within the body of Christ, this is what it means. And so if you want to say, I don't feel connected to the body of Christ, then you must ask yourself, who in this body am I ministering to? Who am I counseling? Not what counsel am I receiving as much as who am I counseling? Because oftentimes we ask ourselves, uh, we play ourselves as the victim and we look at ourselves as purely receivers and we need to look to being contributors. 
Those in the body need your active ministering because it will strengthen them. And so this is the first thing. The second thing is connection. Connection. Once again, I pointed to the fact in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that really that picture of members in a body describe a vital connection, a connectedness that, is, that, that comes along, there's a vitality that comes along with it. In a sense that if there was a disconnection, those members would be useless and dead. And so this is consistent with the, the biblical pattern of scripture that there needs to be, and what I mean by connection here is an interconnectedness of life, interconnectedness of life. And so there's not only a counseling to one another, but there's also just a life interconnectedness, a life interconnectedness. And really this is probably, I only have time to show a few passages for each one of these, but, but this is maybe most uh, clear in Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. So you can turn there, Acts chapter two. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Why don't you all turn there in your Bible, please, with me, so that you can see it. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. A familiar passage? But here's the description of the church. They were devoted. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being said, saved. Now, there's a lot that can be described here. There's a lot here. Um, and, and so what we, what we can point out is really just endless. I mean, I could sit in this passage with you all day and, and, and describe the church and the various aspects that are important. Um, and so their devotion, their, their devotion, what they were devoted to, the apostles' uh, teaching, um, et cetera, them taking of the Lord's Supper, them being in each other's homes. But I want to focus in on here this word fellowship. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the what? Fellowship, the Greek word koinonia. It means a partnership. That's what the word fellowship means, partnership. That's the literal meaning there. It's, they, were, they were partners. They were partners. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to partnering together. Now, what this partnering or this communion look like is described throughout this, this really this section. And it's really not just a picture that's reserved to a particular area of life. They're connected spiritually, surrounding the teacher of the teaching of the word of God. They're surrounded around uh, eating good food, particularly bread. Some of y'all love bread. My daughter loves bread. And, uh, and so they were eating lots of bread. Then they were together, they, they were materially sharing the, the, their, their goods with one another. They were together physically in, in their presence with one another. Their families were not on an island. They were together in the place of worship. And they were together in that place daily. Some of y'all think it's hard to get here once a week. They were there daily. Not every six weeks. Not when it was convenient, but daily. They were accepting each other. It says they've had favor with all men. Literally, they were accepting of each other. That means that they weren't cliquish, right? Uh, they were evangelistic together. The Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. It wasn't because they were sitting around not evangelizing. We know that Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Peter tells us that we're born again through the living word of God. Uh, uh, James tells us that, that we're born again through the word of God. Um, and so we know that salvation comes through the hearing of the scriptures. And so if there is unbelievers being added and being saved, then they certainly were evangelizing. 
And so what I mean by this is that they were involved in every area of each other's lives, physically, spiritually. They loved one another in tangible ways, in word and deed. There was communication. There was physical presence. There was encouragement. They were connected in all areas of life. Now, what this looks for, like for us in, this, in the age in which we live, you ready for this? This might actually mean, okay, hold on tight now. Ready? Hang out with each other. Oh, text each other, call each other. If you say, I don't feel connected with someone, we'll go hang out with them, call them. It's not a mystical thing for someone to say, oh, how can I be more connected? I don't know. Go hang out with somebody, right? Call them. Uh, What do you mean by that? And so you need to be visiting, hosting people in your homes, grabbing coffee, Here's a good idea, which I think we need to employ more. Why don't you meet here and go walk in the neighborhoods and go door-to-door evangelizing? Why don't you come here and pray on a Wednesday night when Dakota's leading that? Why don't you just meet throughout the week and say, hey, I got an hour lunch break. Let's go and pray together. Why don't you attend church services regularly? Why don't you share resources with one another? Do Bible studies together. Attend church events like the... Like, like the uh, trunk or treat that's coming up. Their whole lives, spiritually, and just in areas that consider normal, like eating. They were always together. Their, the body was interconnected. And this is what it should look like. You should be connected with the people within the church on a myriad of different levels. And you should be always in communication. And this, again, requires pursuing, not the expectation of being pursued. And so our lives must be connected. There must be a partnership. There must be friendships within the body. Number three, just to move us along, we see is correction. And this is correction. And this is vitally important. And now many of us don't like to hear this word here. But can I tell you that this is what the New Testament describes when it describes connection within the body of Christ. The element of consistent correction. Please turn, if you can, to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Now, I want to clear up some misconceptions that people have about church discipline. Church discipline is necessary. It's biblical. Uh, It must happen. And why must it happen? Well, there's a number of reasons um, that church discipline uh, must happen. Um, And let me describe some of the most important. First of all, it saves people from their sin. It, It saves people from death. It calls people to purity of life. It calls them out of, uh, of their stumbling. But secondly, um, this is vital in the church because it keeps the church pure. It keeps the church pure. You know that the body of Christ, the church, is made up of who? Believers. And so oftentimes, um, what happens within the church is, is believe, uh, unbelievers in Christ um, become part of the membership and the fellowship. Now, it's amazing that unbelievers come. They should hear the word of God. They should be evangelized. You should hear the word if you're an unbeliever in Christ. You should keep coming. Don't stop coming. Keep coming. We want you to know Christ and we want you to follow Christ. But oftentimes, uh, unbelievers come into the body and by definition, scriptural definition, that's, that's not the church. The church is the body of members. Now, there will always, there will always be hard to discern. There will always be hard to discern. But what Matthew chapter 18 describes is that if someone is in sin, then you go and tell them personally. You go and tell them personally. Secondly, if they don't listen, you bring, you bring a couple others with you. Thirdly, if they don't listen, then, then you are to, to tell it uh, to the church. And what that means, because Paul tells us that everything should be done in order and in an orderly fashion, is you would go and bring it to the elders. The elders would assess the validity of the claim. And then if the elders deem it um, valid, then they would bring it before the body within a members meeting. And, and then when he, they do that, they tell the, el, the, the members and the members then go after that person altogether. The whole mob comes. It's a swarm. And they say, repent, repent, repent of your sin. Come back to the body of Christ. And if at that point the, the member does not listen to, to that imploring of the body of Christ, then that would not be consistent with what the New Testament describes as a believer in Christ. 
Because the fruit of that person with the Holy Spirit inside them should see what the word of God says if they're a true believer. Turn away from their sin and you just saved their soul from, from death. Now that's how church discipline works. But too often, too often, we believe that this is only associated with the elders. Listen, most church discipline begins within the body. It begins within the body, it has nothing to do with the elders unless it maybe has to do with the elders in the very beginning anyway. It has to do with the body. It has to do with the body. This consists of the body correcting one another. And then if there is no correction, then bringing it eventually to the leaders of the church who bring it to the church as, as a whole. And so church discipline really 90% of the time will be among the members. And now listen, too often I see, you know, members forsaking this opportunity to correct each other. When you see the sin of your brother or sister, when you see them post something on social media that might be just wrong teaching, when you see um, some of their glaring weaknesses and blind spots, uh, you can't forget about those things or just say, well, I'm just going to kind of, you know, armchair quarterback, and I'm going to just sit here and say some things, or I'm going to gossip about it, but then I expect the elders, they'll eventually find out. Because you know what that does to the body? It makes the body weak. It makes the body weak, and it doesn't help the brother. And so when's the last time you, you've corrected, helped correct the things that you see? We don't like to be rebuked. Rebukes sting, but they last. They last. And they save people from death. So oftentimes I think we forget. I think we gossip. I think we avoid it because we're afraid of conflict. We, we just think the elders will take care of it. And, um, you know, we're passive. And the misconception is that church discipline only it deals with, with the elders. This happens within the body. Matthew chapter 18. Let's just read it because I hadn't yet. Verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he, and I think there's warrant for verse 15 to say if he just sins, if you see his sin in general. Because of the other New Testament passages that talk about rebuking and correcting one another. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And we believe that the way in which the, the New Testament describes is that to go to the elders and the elders to bring it to the body. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a, what? Gentile tax collector, an unbeliever. An unbeliever, that doesn't mean that you don't evangelize that unbeliever, it just means that they're not part of the body of Christ. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do you know that the, the church itself in many ways represents the verdict of heaven in the life of someone for their salvation or lack thereof? We, we are emissaries in a sense. We, we help people be assured of their salvation or point out that it probably doesn't exist. And again, I say, and here's where we take this verse out of context oftentimes, right? We use it for prayer, right? But here is in it, the context in which it's used in is church discipline because you agree and there's warrant there, biblical warrant and, and uh, wisdom there. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, ask and it'll be done. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Basically, if, there, if there's two of you in the church who are holding to the word of God and you see the sin in somebody else's life, um, you know, take heart that God's, that, that, that God's behind you. This is, you're representing a verdict of heaven in a sense. So don't take that verse out of context anymore. Deal? All right. So this is important. This is important. And, and we have to do this. We have to do this. As I said, 1 Corinthians 14 says that everything should be done in order. 1 Peter 4, it tells us that judgment begins in the household of what? Of what? God. And so what, what does he mean by that? It means this. It means that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, for, for instance, Paul says, we got no business judging those outside the church, right? Lost people are going to act like what? Lost people. You need to help them come to know Christ. But those who are in the church, those who claim to follow Christ, they need to be held to the standards of Christ. And so some people say, well, we're not to judge. Yes, you are. 
Yes, you are to judge. The Bible is full of that. You're not to judge in ways that are insignificant or just purely opinions or in a way that is proud and props yourself up while putting others down, but you are to judge, have biblical discernment based on the scriptures. And so James, as we read before, says that this will save people from death. This helps the church grow in holiness. You must correct one another, correct one another. Now, number four, and lastly, we see when the New Testament describes connection within the church, it not only describes counseling each other, it not only describes uh, connection in all areas of life, it not only describes correction, but it describes capable need meeting, capable need meeting. I was just going to put service, but it wasn't a C word. And also, I think this just fleshes it out a little bit more. But this is what the New Testament describes, people using their giftings to meet the needs of the body. When you talk about connection, I want to feel connected to the church. I want to be connected to the church. How that is biblically defined is described, is put forth by the scriptures, is you serving the body. That's how the New Testament describes connection in the body of of Christ. And so uh, this might sound like, well, I I just got to do more, right? But um, I mean, you could take that up with God. This is what he says connection connection looks like. And um, listen now, the elders, uh, you know, this has been a busy season. We've been pretty... uh, um, pretty ex- exasperated um, in some ways and just exhausted in others. Exasperated may be a strong word, but we are uh, <laughs> tired of dealing with a lot of logistics. But there are people in this church who are so gifted in some of those ways who would probably take them a lot less time and a lot less stress. That's just one example. Um, you know, there are areas of, this, uh, of, of the church and ways of ministering to people where just people are just so gifted at it. Music, music. Um, you know, greeting people, uh, um, uh, things throughout the week, um, helping the, the staff. I mean, just the ownership of everything in the body. If you say, I want to serve in this way, then you, you should. Just serve in the way that you're gifted in so that you can serve the body of Christ. We try to just say, you know, God bless you and go do it, right? The body of Christ, this is what it looks like. If you are not serving in a way that you're passionate about, in a way that you're consistent in, in a way that you're really known for in our body, then something's wrong. Something is wrong. That's not normal. You serve your, yourself and your family in every other area of your life, but the Bible describes that your giftings are primarily to be used for the body of Christ, for the building up of, of his body, for his glory. And so you, listen, this should be a way in which you find identity in. And I don't mean that in a proud way where you, you don't first call yourself a Christian, but I mean you should find identity in the ways in which you serve because those are the areas in which God has gifted you in. And it needs to be consistent and then you need to be reliable and you need to have responsibility in the body of Christ. And it's not just an opinion. If you are not doing that on a regular basis, serving in ways in which you're gifted to build up the body with consistency, you are being disobedient to God's word. You are being disobedient to God's word. If I were you, the first thing I would do is I would go find Bo, and he's not here, but I would go tackle him and I would say, where can I serve? consistently. And I would say that you need to find yourself here serving at least, you know, a few times a month, once a week. I mean, in some capacity, in some capacity, you need to be serving the body of Christ or you're out of alignment with New Testament scriptures. Acts 6 describes this. There's the elders. They they had to devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Of course, not only there's oversight issues, there's shepherding issues, there's membership issues, of course, but the body was serving. Ephesians 4 describes this. And so this is very, very important. This is very important. The body of Christ builds itself up. Your gifts, your skills are not only to be used for your job. Your job is not the main goal of your life. Your finances, your financial growth strategies, your business being, you know, accelerated or propped up. I mean, listen now, you don't just live to work your secular job. It is such a low view of reality. Your gifts and your skills, the things in which you're good at are first and foremost given to you to serve the body of Christ. 
The reason why you might be good in those areas is because God plans for you to use them for the body. First, then, oh yeah, provide for your family through your job. Not that you should provide, providing for your family should be in less significant, but I just mean the, the time and the energy that you spent in appropriating those gifts on your job, that should be second to the body of Christ. Of course you need to work. You should provide for your family. That's your first responsibility. But listen now, the church needs you. The church needs you. It will not be strong. It will be weak if you are not doing this. If you are not doing this, if you don't serve the church, you won't feel connected also. You will not feel connected. The ways in which you expend yourself for the body of Christ makes you connected with others in a way that just showing up doesn't. You need to meet needs. And can I tell you, listen, let me tell you this, because this is gonna probably throw cold water on, 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 on your parade here, but listen, sometimes the church needs you to serve in ways that aren't your giftings. Because if you expect a great kids ministry, oh, you know, if we, if we got rid of our children's ministry, most of you probably leave. <laughs> but how do you think that children's ministry happens? We don't have volunteers in a closet. It happens by the body itself meeting the needs that it expects. So when we got to beg people to serve in children's ministry, we don't know what else to do. We just can't have it. Or if we have certain expectations financially, we, we can't meet them or we gotta make some changes. I mean, we just can do, we, we just play the cards that were dealt. So the body of Christ, it needs to serve in ways that it's not necessarily always gifted in just because there's a need. If your spouse says to you, listen, you gotta go and mow the grass and you say, well, honey, <laughs> I just don't feel gifted in that. <laughs> How's that gonna go? How's that gonna go? You need to, there's a, there's a fulfillment, there's an identity, there's a self of accomplishment, there's a benefit to others. There's, when you are serving the body of Christ in this way, the Bible describes this connection. Now, let me just mention this, we're done. What it's gonna take, what it's gonna take. Listen, can I tell you, it's gonna take initiation. It's gonna take initiative. I mean, initiative means that someone does something without being told to do it. I don't know what else to say. For myself included, I'm preaching to myself as well, right? But it takes initiative. It means that you have to like, be internally motivated by the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God to obey God. I mean, you just have to have initiative. You have to do things on your own because God says it without somebody like just begging you to do it. Hey, I see that need over there. Can I meet it? Hey, I notice you're struggling. You want to talk? Right? Hey, uh, my neighbors, uh, my neighborhood, I'm so burdened for them. Would you meet me at my house so we can go evangelize? And will let's sit and pray for them. I mean, there's got to be initiation. There's got to be internal motivation. There's got to be thirdly participation. You need to try to participate. If you don't participate, there's no wonder why you feel disconnected. Communication. There needs to be communication. It's part of Every good relationship, you need to have availability, availability. You can't be unavailable. You can't make yourself unavailable. Sometimes we do the same thing with our time that we do with our money. We stretch ourselves so thin by, by, by you know, uh, taking on more than we can actually expend. And then we wonder why, you know, we're either out of money or we're either out of time. You got to create margin for availability to serve the body. Uh, you have to have, this is gonna require an arrangement of priorities. Arrangement of priorities. This is also gonna take sanctification, maturity. You know where that comes from? It comes from time with God. It comes from your time in the word. It comes from affection for God. It leads to love for his people. If you lack love for the people of God, maybe, because, maybe, maybe it's because you're not filled with the love of God. You need to love God and spend time with God or you will lack love and care for his church. You will love the things he loves when you spend time with him. You need to ask God to search you as, as the psalmist does, as David does. And you need to pray. And so this is important that we do all these things. This is what it's going to, this is what it's going to take. Now, I just wanted to end with some ideas here, but I've already said most of them. Hang out with each other. Pray together. Go to door-to-door -to -door evangelism, Bible studies, serve. 
Um, be here at the church building as much as you can. Um, uh, you, you know, come up with church events. Um, start accountability groups. Try to reach certain demographics. Maybe you're called to reach college students or high school students. Join, join that effort. Now, those are not the only ideas. I mean, I'm just, I'm just sparking your mind here. You need, to, you need to apply these principles more than you need to apply my specific ideas. But connection within the body, it's vital. We are connected positionally and we should be and need to be. The Bible tells us to be connected practically. And so, church, listen to me. Listen. Don't ignore God's instructions. Don't ignore God's instructions. It's like a man who looks in a mirror and goes away and forgets what his face looks like. Don't do that. Don't do that. Listen to what he says in the word and do what he says. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it instructs us, how it guides us, how it helps us. We are your church. We're not our own. We're yours. And we ask that by your mercy and by your grace, you would form us into everything that you call us to be so that we would be a body connected. We would be a body who loves one another. We'd be a, a members of your, of your body for your glory. We love you, Lord. Thank you for placing us within the body. We owe everything to you. And we're thankful for the people that you've surrounded us with in your church. In Jesus' name, amen.